Hello, I'm Llewellyn King, the host of White House Chronicle. Welcome to the broadcast and thank you for coming along. Today, we take a look, as we often do, at where policy and science collide, where policy and politics sometimes don't agree. But particularly, we're looking at an aspect of science, an aspect of medicine, not often examined, frequently overlooked, and very critically important. We're looking at the use of nuclear medicine, particularly low-level radiation to treat inflammation. In this case, probably initially inflammation in COVID-19 patients. For that, we have today two people who've been with us before, Jim Conker, who comes to us from Richland, Washington, and Jim Welsh, who comes to us normally from Chicago, but today comes to us from where he grew up on Staten Island, New York. And a new guest, but very welcome to the program, Jerry Cutler, president of Cutler Associates Incorporated, who comes to us from Ontario, Canada. Welcome, gentlemen, and let's take it away. Jim, how are researchers into treating the inflammation in COVID-19 going, and why aren't we using low-level radiation if it works? I'll let Jim, Jim Wells talk, talk about what the trials have been, but the reason we are not using this is from fear of radiation, totally unfounded. Low levels of radiation are not dangerous, never have been a problem um, in this country for the last 80 years. But uh, there's, we'll probably talk in the, in, later in the show about the hypothesis that no one's ever heard of, but is incredibly important, called a linear no-threshold dose hypothesis that says all levels of radiation can kill you, which is untrue, but it's been propagated for the last 70 years, and it's kind of confounded the public's ability to rationally look at low levels of radiation for various um, benefits. Um, Jim Welsh, you're an oncologist. You treat cancer with much higher doses of radiation. Uh, you told me last time you were on this program that tests were underway. What are we learning and why hasn't the technology been deployed? Hospitals have radiology. They're equipped. I understand about half of them could treat patients immediately. Nobody would have to go into the ICU. Nobody would have to go onto ventilators. It would speed up healing and much less physical damage to the patient. Yes, I believe that Low-dose radiation therapy can be an effective treatment for COVID-19 pneumonia. Nevertheless, although some clinical trials have launched, and I tip my hat to those who have successfully initiated their studies, the fact is that other studies are in a holding pattern, and some may never launch. And uh, part of the reason, as Jim uh, has alluded to, is an inherent fear, an unfounded fear of radiation and the consequences or hypothetical consequences of even low-dose radiation, which uh, lead to fears that are unjustified. As a specific example of how this is negatively impacting progress, uh, again, I tip my hat to the team in Iran led by uh, Dr. Ameri and associates, who recently published a small trial in our uh, primary journal, the so-called Red Journal, or 
International Journal of Radiation Oncology and Biology and Physics. It had five patients in it, and it reported successful results amongst those five, uh, four out of the five patients. However, they had to screen approximately 40 patients in order to get five enrolled. And of the, the 35 who uh, declined, 33 out of those 35 said it was over fears of radiation-induced secondary malignancies. And these are people who are so ill that they're in the hospital, potentially uh, at death's doorstep from uh, a lethal um, viral infection. Yet that fear is so deep-rooted that many patients were declining to enroll. James Welch, you are a professor at Loyola College outside of Chicago of radio oncology. Why can we not see that same uh, dynamic at work in other uses for radiation in medicine? Yes, I think that's a, a very good question. Uh, it perhaps goes back to the established realities and facts of chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation therapy being accepted modalities of cancer therapy. They are the three pillars of cancer treatment. And this goes back many decades. And although people do continue to have irrational and unjustified fears of radiation therapy with cancer, which is a known uh, and notorious uh, killer, people are willing to take the risk there. But in the field of infectious disease, particularly uh, uh, among unknown viruses or novel viruses, such as the uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, cause of COVID-19, the concept of using radiation therapy is just so far outside of the realm of what is accepted or uh, appreciated or even known about that I think the fears emerge again and are unmitigated by the uh, experience of using radiation for cancer. That experience does not exist uh, in the minds of many of those who are afraid. Yet, uh, as others on this panel will attest to, that use of radiation for viral pneumonia goes back approximately a century. X-rays were discovered 125 years ago by William Röntgen. November the 8th, 1895, and physicians used x-rays initially to image medical conditions like asthma, pneumonia, sinus inflammations, and whatever. And they uh, were surprised to observe uh, beneficial health effects after uh, imaging x-ray. Uh, the patient actually recovered. So they began to use x-rays also to cure diseases. And many studies have been published over the past 125 years uh, with speculations on the medicine. So uh, x-rays do work to cure uh, many diseases. So you wonder, well, what's the mechanism why this happens? And uh, x-ray causes a bit of damage, but we have natural protection systems. They, they go into high gear and they repair and restore the damage. But here's the very interesting part of it. When our protection systems go in the higher gear, they over-respond. And not only do they repair the damage that the x-ray caused, they also remediate ex existing damage and disorders from other causes. So this is the mechanism whereby you give a low dose and yet uh, you get additional 
treatments, uh, additional benefits from the radiation. Uh, the, you get a faster cure for injuries, infections, viruses, cancer, and inflammations, all this from a low dose of radiation. So if you can optimize the uh, dose and the frequency, the number of times you give it, uh, you can stimulate the immune system or you can uh, remedy an immune disorder and you can produce a lot of cures. Now, we can't use the, this radiation to cure diseases anymore because of political opposition. And that started uh, after the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were bombed. Many uh, concerned scientists were terrified of a, a nuclear arms race and uh, additional bombing. So they created a phony radiation scare, a cancer scare, in 1956 to stop the testing and the use of nuclear weapons. And everybody, including the medical doctors, even everybody was taught that any exposure to radiation causes DNA mutations and a risk of cancer. So you can use radiation at a high dose to kill cells and, and treat cancer, but you can't use it at a low dose to um, improve your health, uh, as was done. So we have all this evidence in the medical journals, and nobody's uh, using it. There is Jerry, tell me something treat. about Jerry. Tell me something about your company and yourself, and how you got into this, and what are your qualifications? Well, uh, I uh, graduated way, way back uh, in nuclear sciences, nuclear engineering, and I worked uh, uh, in research for ten years, and then uh, on radiation detectors and. and studies on radio on fission. And then I worked at Atomic Energy of Canada for 25 years, uh, working on design, uh, construction, procurement, and helping operators uh, operate 25 reactors in Canada and abroad. And uh, I'm still doing this uh, after I retired in the year 2000. Uh, but I, I got a very interesting thing happened on the centennial of discovery of x-rays in uh, San Francisco, uh, Dr. Myron Polykov gave a, a, a lecture, a centennial lecture, uh, about uh, x-rays. And that's uh, 1995 is when I started to become interested in x-rays and radiation in medicine because he explained to me the, that low doses of radiation cause beneficial effects. They, they cure diseases. And uh, I questioned him on that. And I said, you can't be right. And for many years, he and I were corresponding. He was giving me all this evidence. He was a medical fellow at the NRC after he left his position in the San Francisco General Hospital, the head of nuclear medicine. And so he was giving me a lot of information about the historical evidence and even the current mechanisms. So for 25 years, I've been pursuing this and I've been, my wife got treated with this. I have patients, friends that have been treated with this. I've worked with Japanese scientists uh, using low doses of radiation. I've helped them write their papers. And right now I, I just finished a, a clinical study, a small one, a pilot study on Alzheimer's disease. We treated five patients, four of them got better. Uh, temporarily, very small. And these were advanced uh, patients, advanced Alzheimer's disease. And so today I'm 
trying to get my paper published, uh, getting a lot of criticism from the reviewers because uh, this uh, treatment is very controversial. I'm using CT scans of the brain and I'm seeing remarkable improvements in communication. Patients are recognizing their relatives and talking with them. These are people with advanced Alzheimer's who are in hospice. Jim Conker, uh, we, uh, we have an interesting situation. Obviously, all of us get a little bit of x-ray at the dentist every time we go to the dentist. And if we have an extensive dental work, or have to have extensive dental work, we get quite a few x-rays and nobody blinks, nobody asks about it. And yet when, when uh, Jim Welch wants to treat people who might die in a hospital, people say, no, no, that's dangerous. This seems to me to be really a great nonsense. There's two types of, of thinking about, uh, about radiation. One is uh, you know, treating cancer and things like that. So those are fairly high doses. And so relative to those doses, the, the doses we're talking about to treat COVID-19 cytokine storm is um, about 100 times less than that. So it's, it's quite low dose. The other way of thinking about doses are environmental doses. So things like background radiation or a whole body dose because you, you uh, you were standing next to a, 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 a nuclear weapon when it went off in, in Japan in 1945. You know, th those are, are, are a different set of doses. So what we're talking about here is low dose with, with respect to medical uses. Uh, it's quite low dose. But in general, you know, dose across the, across the world varies from three milliram, which is just a unit. Don't, don't get all excited about it. But, you know, from three milliram to 10,000 milliram. And so, you know, the background radiation that everyone on Earth is exposed to uh, varies wildly. And there's never been any issues with that, including up to, you know, 10 ram or 10,000 milliram, which many can, would consider high dose, but nothing's ever been, been uh, nothing's ever come of that. So, um, so I think it's just um, experience and, and, and history and what you're taught. So there's a lot of educational issues here. Um, and so in terms of x-rays at dentists, everyone just is used to that. I mean, you, you, you go to a dentist and you get an x-ray. You know, no one even thinks about it because it's been going on for, for 60 years. So, uh, but, but no one thinks about the doses. No one thinks about you know, effects of it. And, and of course they shouldn't because we've seen over and over again that it doesn't cause any issue. Where's the United States government in all this? Where's the National Institutes of Health? And where for that matter is Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, the hero of the hour? Uh, has the NIH got a program in low level medical radiation? Well, I'm not gonna, gonna speak on behalf of Dr. Fauci or anybody, but I'll say that uh, he was kind enough to uh, join us on our national meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago, ASTRO, the American Society of uh, Therapeutic Radiology and Oncology, or now simply American Society for Radiation Oncology. Uh, he was an invited speaker. Therefore, we know that he is aware of these issues that uh, we are discussing here today. Um, having said that, um, the FDA, uh, led by uh, now uh, a former radiation oncologist, Stephen Hahn, uh, a colleague of mine, um, is also aware of the potential for radiation therapy in, um, in COVID-19. And I think, I think it was Jerry Cutler uh, who first uh, informed Dr. Hahn about uh, 
the uh, potential use of radiation therapy for COVID-19. I wrote a letter on March the 20th to him. I never got a reply, but that letter went viral. And that's why we have 15 plus uh, clinical trials going on because the radiation oncologists are the only people that really understand, the only medical people that seem to really understand the, the difference and how to use radiation. The key point uh, we, we all need to remember is that using radiation to kill cells or cancer cells or kill anything is fine and acceptable. But to use it to stimulate protection and produce cures that's very, very controversial because that goes against the whole radiation scare that was created in 56 to stop atomic weapons testing and, and use. So uh, it's the application. There's another interesting difference. Radiation that you get naturally is quite acceptable, but human-made radiation, even if it's as low or lower than background radiation, is not acceptable. So it depends on where it's coming from as to whether it's acceptable, socially acceptable. So uh, the story is a bit complex, uh, as I've tried to explain. And and I should I should point out that natural Jim Conker, just yes. a minute before you go on, tell us uh, how you come to be in this field and what your qualifications to talk about low level radiation are. Well, I started out at Brown University in planetary geology and radiobiology. So I got a, a dual degree in geology and biology. Then I went to Caltech, got a PhD in geochemistry, but always been focused on radiation shielding for lunar colonies, things like that. Um, and then got, got into nuclear waste disposal, which is kind of bound up in all these fears and stuff like that. And then, you know, uh, uh, nuclear power. Uh, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so I've been, you know, pretty much 35 years, uh, I'm sorry, yes, 35 years working in nuclear science and radiation issues, uh, mainly dealing with the public's fear, because, uh, again, we don't have a nuclear uh, waste disposal program because of fear. Uh, there's no, there's no real risk to it. Uh, it's the easiest thing to do, uh, dispose of nuclear waste, but you wouldn't Think that you know, reading the the, the, the mainstream media and uh, public sphere of that. So, so dealing with with nuclear power, nuclear waste, uh, uh, medical issues—they're all this—they all include the same fear, um, and that's 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 what I've been doing for for that long. So, we're working at, at Pacific Northwest Na National Laboratory, Los Alamos National Laboratory, um, uh, doing environmental monitoring at New Mexico State University, that, that kind of thing. There was a doctor at Los, uh, uh, at uh, Lawrence Livermore, who I used to go to the labs very regularly when I was reporting on these issues. And he had done various studies on the Japanese radiation effects after the detonation at Hiroshima particularly. And he said, I can't find the cancers. But uh, that was swept away in the public perception that this was one of the after effects of a nuclear weapon. Not that I'm defending nuclear weapons or think they should be used, but... Yes, but a nuclear weapon is a bomb. That, that's what killed 95% of the people in, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki was a bomb. It had nothing to do with radiation. The radiation... It was the blast and the heat that was the main factor that kills people, not that much the radiation. But uh, everyone's created the scare about radiation, especially fallout. Uh, where do we go from here, gentlemen? Uh, Jim uh, Welch, were you not going to do some 
research at the Veterans Administration on COVID-19 uh, pneumonia? Absolutely. Yes. So um, uh, before going on to that point, I just want to mention that uh, in the radiation therapy clinic, we don't see these uh, second malignancies nearly at the rate as predicted either. And uh, Jerry and I have independently taken a look at some of the Japanese data, and we do not see the predicted second malignancies there. And in many cases, uh, these phantom risks uh, just remain invisible. Having said all that, um, the public perception is that they are not invisible. They are there. We're just not reporting them or not looking closely enough. But the FDA has deemed our proposed VA study as a low or zero risk clinical uh, proposed trial. So we still hope to move forward uh, in the VA, um, but there are obstacles and the obstacles include um, legitimate concerns such as the fear of competing clinical trials that could uh, uh, have patients siphoned off for this study or vice versa. But uh, um, upon deeper analysis, I do not accept that as uh, a legitimate concern. I'm sure that we could overcome the, uh, the concerns. And I, when I say we, I, I really mean uh, doctors uh, David Schwartz and Michael Hagen, who are the two co-principal investigators for the proposed VA study 2029, uh, meaning it's the 29th proposed study in the year 2020. But uh, there are obstacles, and among those obstacles is the fear of radiation's uh, uh, negative consequences. It's alleged dark side that many of us simply cannot see, um, despite searching very, very carefully. What about medicine outside of COVID-19? What are the future medical uses of low-level radiation you would like to see? I have heard mentioned arthritis and Alzheimer's. Uh, are there other uses? Yes, uh, there's other neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, there's a big problem with vision. Glaucoma is a neurodegenerative disease. And of course, you have Parkinson and, and you have many other diseases. And uh, with cancer, you can use the treatment that was carried out by Dr. Sakamoto, half-body low-dose radiation to stimulate protection systems to fight metastases. You see, a big problem with cancer is you remove the initial tumor and then years later, the metastases develop. And then you, you have your choice. Do you use chemotherapy or do you use this Japanese controversial treatment where a low dose, which a patient doesn't feel, there's no side effects uh, that are symptomatic. And, uh, and this would be an excellent treatment. However, the physicians do not accept the principle because they've been brought up and taught that way that low doses of radiation can be used beneficially. The, their view is it should only be used for killing cells. And uh, it's hard to change that paradigm. Jim Conker, what do you yes. see as future uses for radiation? Uh, we, we haven't talked about it on, on this show, but we did before. This, these low levels of radiation are, are treating the immune, they're stimulating the immune system. They're not killing COVID-19. They're actually treating the inflammation that causes the damage from it. So any condition that has inflammation as an issue, like arthritis, like Alzheimer's and other things, those would be key. 
And what what's kind of ethically bothering me is that uh, we've been doing this for 70, 80 years. This isn't like a drug trial with a new drug that you need to watch out for side effects. We know the side effects. We've been doing this a lot. And and the fact that we have allowed 200,000 out of 240,000 people who have died from COVID to die without, who should not have, um, is 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 an ethical issue that, that I, I'm having trouble dealing with. And the last word from Jim Welch. So I would start out uh, by saying that radiation has been used and is used for benign disease treatments. And it is effective. And in these instances, it is accepted as a treatment for bone spurs or heterotopic ossifications in the hip after a hip replacement for the treatment of an eye condition uh, uh, called pterygium, wherein a web grows across the eye and starts to uh, obscure vision. For keloids, which are over-exuberant growths of scars, we know that radiation can affect, effectively treat those conditions. But uh, high-dose radiation, and I'm talking about conventional, not low-dose uh, radiation that we've been talking about for COVID, High-dose radiation is being explored for tremors, for seizure disorders, even for obsessive-compulsive disorder. And it is also being explored to uh, uh, ablate aberrant pathways, pathways in the heart that are hyperactive and lead to cardiac arrhythmias. So there is ongoing research in the medical community using radiation at various doses for a variety of uh, conditions. And based on the experience now going back about 20, 25 years for the use of Reiki therapy, radiation therapy for coronary artery disease, in which we would actually snake the radioactive source into the coronary artery after the cardiologist has done the angioplasty and opened it up, but before the stent is placed, or, or uh, in addition to having the stent placed, a low dose of radiation or modest dose of radiation was applied and reduced the restenosis rate quite significantly. That led to the cardiologist wondering if they could do something that doesn't involve the radiation doctor. And I would have been happy to say, I'm happy to bow out and allow you cardiologists to do the work that you're intended to do. And that led to the discovery of the coded stent. The coded stent is now standard of care and perhaps works even better than the brachytherapy. So the point is that radiation opened up some doors that led to even more effective uh, treatments that um, remain the standard of care today. And I hope that uh, maybe we can learn some lessons by opening these doors presently, seeing how effectively radiation can get the job done and can we improve upon that effectiveness in the future? Gentlemen, that's our show for today. Thank you for coming along. And to our viewers and listeners, I say, stick with science. It has the answers. That's why we are still here. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. White House Chronicle is available as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Wherever you listen, we are there.